It is my task to note all events of significance in this part of the cosmos. This task brings me great joy and great sorrow. So, ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to Easy Conversations. I just want to start by saying thanks a lot to everyone who listened to the last episode featuring the homie Kevin Andrews. Kevin, you absolutely killed it on there, and we look forward to having you on again down the road. It's now for episode 56 of Easy Conversations. I'm extremely excited, of course, to be back in the studio virtually with the homie Matt. Say what's up to the people. What's up, everybody? Um, I'd like to say I hope you're all in for a treat tonight because... We're doing another What We Watched episode, and those are some of my favorite kinds that we've done in the past. Yeah, so like Matt said, we'll be doing the Movies Scene in Quarantine Part 4 Listener Edition. So we've taken the ones who make this all possible. You guys, the listeners, this is movie suggestions over the past few weeks. We asked you what you've been watching. You all gave us a lot of great recommendations of movies to watch and then talk about. So we did just that. So to start off, we have a bunch of movies to get through, so we're not going to waste any time here. Matt, get, let's get the ball rolling here. What movie do you want to talk about first? Okay, well, first off, everyone who submitted a movie, thank you so much. I absolutely loved watching all these movies. Only a couple of them, two of them were first-time watches for me, and um, like that's one. we're going to start off with a first-time watch for me, and it's um, one that Kami recommended and it's called Palm Springs. Mm-hmm. It can be found on Amazon Prime. And Palm Springs is a comedy style, like Groundhog Day style, st- starring Andy Samberg. And I, I, had, I didn't even know it was about that when I clicked the movie. And I just watched it. It's 90 minutes, short and sweet. And I absolutely, I was laughing the majority of the time. I r- thoroughly enjoyed this movie. Yes, the idea's been done before, like they're reliving the same day. But I just thought... The script was sharp, and the actors did a great job. What What did you think of the movie, Eric? Yeah, I echo everything you just said there. I had no idea that this was the premise of the movie, that it was a, a Groundhog Day, which I've never seen, by the way. That's another whole other thing. That, um, <laughs> that they're basically reliving the same day over and over again. I just thought it was Andy Samberg and Kristen um, Milioti who were just stuck at some resort. Like I really knew yeah. nothing of this movie. was extremely pleasantly surprised. And like you said, they're reliving the same day over and over again, but there's always a fresh take on it, a a new twist that comes up every 15 or 20 minutes to keep things exciting and not repetitive. So, yeah, I mean, it's for me one of my favorite rom-coms that I've seen in a long time, and there are actually quite a few others on this um, list of movies that we're going to talk about later, but this is definitely one of my favorite ones. What Mm -hmm. a movie. Um... J.K. Simmons was also in this movie, and he was hysterical. Every single scene he's in had me rolling. It's just his delivery, and like whenever he swears, I don't know about you, Matt, but whenever he just drops an F-bomb, it's just, it's perfect. And uh, yeah, I mean, a minimalistic (laughs) cast, always something new going on, and um, strongly recommend so I also want to give a shout-out to the homie Chevy's. This was actually his suggestion as well, so thank you to... Kemi and Mart for the suggestion. Great pick. Yeah, it is great. Pick. Exceeded expectations for sure. I I agree with that. And like I, I wrote down a couple notes on like couple funny uh, scenes that I like. Because Andy, uh, I mean, he plays Niles in the movie, so Niles has relived this day like 
maybe a thousand times so he knows like what everyone's gonna say so there's a scene where he's copying what is like ex or what his girlfriend's saying and he's just repeating right after line after line now it was dying i was dying on the couch like stop copying me and blah blah uh And then the other part I liked was at over halfway through the movie when the girl's like, aren't you tired of like all this? Like, it's all so meaningless. Like you're just doing that. And, and then Andy's like, well, who cares? Like, this is what I like about it is he doesn't have nothing is important. And that kind of made me think about like that was the deeper message in the movie is like, you know, maybe live every day, like the meaning of life, basically. Right, Eric? Like, did you Yeah, get some of that underlying stuff there? live every day to the fullest kind of thing. And also another Yeah. thing that I took out of it, without giving anything away, it's just how much you can get done if you really put your mind to it, right? Like anyone can do anything in this world. I'll just say that. Definitely um, something to think about if you've seen the movie. And that's one thing I took from it anyways there of, of that I was inspired about how you can, if you want, you can learn anything, you know, and you can do whatever you want. So, uh, and I, I loved like, that's probably what I would do in that situation, to be honest. Like you, you, you definitely want to explore all possibilities of what you can get away with. Yeah. I mean, it was just an enjoyable movie. It is. Low, it was actually kind of high stakes movie, but they, um, handled it really well. Like, um, like a great comedy. So, Yeah, I mean, that's pretty much all I have on um, Palm Yeah. Springs. I'm always excited to check out a, a new movie I've never seen before. So that was the, like one of the first ones I watched when you sent me over the list of stuff to watch. And I was so high. I love the feeling of like not knowing anything going in blind. Going in blind is the way to go. And when it exceeds your expectations, like what better feeling? I agree with that as well. So we'll switch gears a little bit on our next movie. So the next one was from a, a fan favorite six-time guest, the homie Bassam Issa. He actually sent quite a few movies, so we'll get to those one at a time. But we'll start off with one of them, which is um, a genre of film that I'm not really familiar with or have not well-versed in, which would be Korean cinema. So he recommended the movie called Train to Busan, which is, in a nutshell, about a man who is bringing his daughter over to his soon-to-be ex-wife's um house and they're not really on good terms he um like he has a hard time connecting with his daughter so out of nowhere basically there's this um zombie outbreak outbreak that happens in um, the city they're in and it happens also while they're on this train to busan and they're basically confined to this train where the people on board of the train are becoming zombies faster than they can um, really contain this issue. So it's a really self-contained movie where all the action happens for the most part in the same setting. And it was an enjoyable movie. Like I, I really liked watching a movie that was, it wasn't in English, like Korean. So just reading subtitles, but the characters were awesome for me. I was a big fan of them. The couple who was expecting a child. Like I think the, both the, the father and the mother were, unreal characters especially the father because he's more involved on the action side of things and uh, yeah i mean really high that's definitely a high stakes movie and you kind of put yourself in that situation like to what lengths would you go to save yourself when everyone else like you don't know anyone else on this train for the most part you're on you're having to adapt on the fly and form um, relationships with these people to survive and in some cases sacrifice people in order to survive so it's like to what depths would you go to um, ensure your own survival so I love seeing those kind of situations developed on screen it was a super fun movie to watch I was hooked the whole time great acting 
not really funny, but you know what? In that kind of setting, there's not really time for jokes. So I definitely excuse yeah. the lack of humor. Time and a place, and this definitely wasn't it. So yeah, what, what were your thoughts on Train to Busan, Matt? So Train to Busan is like, Busan. It, it was my the fifth time I've watched this movie now. Like <laughs> okay. when it came out in 2016, it was creating a huge buzz in all the horror, in the horror community, like horror movies. And it made, a, it, it always ended up, it, it finished in the top horror movies of that year, so I knew to keep my eye on it, and I watched it twice four years ago, and I I watch it every year. This movie is very emotional to me. Like it gets me, it really gets me going for some reason, especially the last act. Mm-hmm. What happens to our two main characters, the father and the the big the bigger guy, who's like he's um, the husband of the pregnant wife. Yeah. And I I this is a movie I also like to show people like oh you should watch this movie if you like action horror, but like not i didn't feel it was cheese or anything i just felt it was very emotional and korean movies in the last 10 years have been like just korea has been killing the game basically in, in all the genres and they their movies are a little on the longer side like this one too like it's two hours but they've been doing nothing but good things i like how like what you mentioned how you would react in a situation like this we get all the reactions on this train like mm-hmm. people going like super selfish People trying to help others, you get everything, and our main the, the our main character, the father, like at the be- he goes through a whole transformation in the movie, and that's what I love about that's I like following him the movie. You know, like at the beginning, he's all business. He kind of forgets his daughter's birthday and buys her the, a gift that he's already bu- like he bought her a Wii, but he had forgotten that he already had bought her a Wii like six months <laughs> yeah. before. He just doesn't. He's dismissive. Even at the beginning, when the outbreak happens, he's. Uh, he even tells his daughter, you only have to look out for yourself. Yeah, you only, and then, but then later on, his daughter throws back at him. You only think of yourself, and that's why mom left you. And I thought that was like, <laughs> like what a stinger. Like, yeah, low blow. This movie's, it's a very emotional movie. And like, I don't, I don't want to get into spoilers, but like, the, the father of the, uh, of the, pre, the husband of the pregnant lady, like, every scene with him hits hard for me. And I, I think you know what scene I'm talking about. Mm-hmm. But like, I, it's it's hard for me to watch that actually. No, I I don't want to go on forever about this movie. I just really really love this movie. It was my second favorite movie of 2016. Great movie that I definitely made me want to watch more Korean cinema. But Sam actually recommended me a few more movies. Actually, I'll try to get your take on them right now. I haven't watched these there. Memories of Murder and Old Boy. Have you seen these movies, Matt? Oh yeah, absolutely. I'd recommend Old Boy, like right away. Like okay. I have a huge I'm staring right now at a huge old boy poster like i have one in my basement i love old boy memories of murder i think you'd like but it's it's no old boy it's different like it the way it's done like you'll you'll know what i mean when you watch it it's not like a it's not an american movie it's like it's done it's not glorified or i don't know you'd have to watch it and we'll talk about it maybe on the show one day maybe a korean episode (laughs) there you go there we go one one step at a time but yeah we can okay baby steps baby yeah I'll start with old boy. Okay, so yeah, train oh, yeah. to Busan. Good Busan. Uh, yeah, I don't Busan. know. Busan, Busan. <laughs> I, I say Busan, but whatever. Yeah, like, good. even the char- I wrote every character's name down, but I can't even pronounce any other yeah. names. So that's why I was saying father. And and the names aren't really that important in the movie either, exactly. right? It's basically, you're, it's man, they barely woman, mention child. Yeah. And that's, everything is stripped from you in that situation. And it's how you react in that situation that really defines who you are. You could be John, 
Helga, mm-hmm. um, yeah. Victor, it doesn't matter. You're either for yeah. the cause or against the cause, right? So, Could happen in any country too. Like yep. it doesn't it doesn't just have to be the Korean it setting. Transcends. Yeah. Language. You know that the, the character in the movie that was like the bad guy, like he oh, was like I couldn't the guy. Stand that guy. Okay, did you notice the foreshadowing at the beginning when the daughter looks... He says something and the daughter looks at him and she's like, my mom says whoever says that is a bad person. And that's mm. like the ultimate foreshadowing of how that guy's going to react. Also, another heartbreaking scene is the baseball player when him and the other guys are going to rescue the, the mom and daughter and he comes across his baseball team all like zombified and he just like freezes. And I'm like, oh, yeah. uh, can you imagine that? Like seeing your whole... All your friends Squad. and now you have to like... Uh, yeah, and that's why like, that's another reason why a movie like this is really emotional. It's because you think like, "What what would I do in that situation?" My whole group of like best friends was zombified in front of me. Like, you'd probably freeze up and wouldn't be able to do anything, and then just join the pack, right? And like die in that situation. Yeah. So I really liked it. I mean, and no, without spoiling anything, it wasn't uh, the ending wasn't what I thought it was gonna be. Mm-hmm. Do you think it would end that way if it, if it was an American, like, if the U.S. remade the movie? No, I don't think, think so. Exactly, yeah, okay. So. I'll do Kemi's other movie, because okay. I love this movie, too, and it's The Big Sick, mm-hmm. starring Kumail Nanjiani. I hope I hope I pronounced that right. It was the second time I've seen this movie, and I love it even more now. It's basically about our our main character's life like he's playing himself a younger version of himself the characters are great the script is the real winner here i find like the dialogue amazing the girl does a great job zoe kazan's character what's her name emily emily thank you yeah yeah and emily's parents are are a highlight too ray romano and Mm, holly hunter the emily's parents is it a tiny bit predictable maybe but i mean it's based on a true story you know like nothing horrible is gonna happen because they made a movie about it, right? Mm-hmm. It's just a very heartwarming romantic comedy with an above, way above average, like, script. I think it's razor sharp. What do you think, Eric? Yeah, I love it. Kemi, two killer movies in here. Like, mm-hmm. uh, we're not going to say who overall gave the best movies, but you would definitely be <laughs> up there because I loved both those movies. And honestly, this is the kind of content that I want in 2021. Just heartwarming stuff, some good comedies, uh, like a happy ending. I didn't know it was about Kumal um, Nanjani's um, real life with his wife, um, Emily Gordon, right? Emily. Like, I didn't know that was actually their story in real life. I knew the premise of the movie going into it, but like I said, I didn't know it was based on the real life. So, great stuff. I thought it was hilarious. Also, I was rolling <laughs> over a couple of times watching this movie. Kumal's character is hilarious. And just all the, I don't know if it's hijinks or just the situations he finds himself in, dealing with prejudice and racism a little bit. He handled those, I'm sure, throughout his entire life in America. And I thought he, like, that's probably where his sense of humor comes from, is from defending himself a little bit and also being so self-aware that he can even poke holes at himself and laugh at himself. Mm -hmm. Yeah, just adapt to America, really. So I thought it was... A really smart movie, like you said, the script is the strength of this movie, but also the, just the heartwarming story and mm-hmm. the love between these two characters is so inspiring. And just how much he does for Emily while she's in the coma, like bonding with her parents, just all great interactions. And the pressures also that Kumail feels from his parents who keep wanting to set him up with Pakistani women throughout the entire movie. And then as soon as he sh- he 
speaks out against their religious beliefs that don't really apply to him, they reject him and shun him from the family, essentially. So that's that was really tough to watch. And I hope that wasn't really how it went down in his real life there, but it very well may have been how it happened. So definitely some sad stuff in there for him personally and their relationship together, but they seem to have come out of it stronger than ever and were able to make a movie out of it. So, you know, they're in a good place now. I love this movie. Can be a mm-hmm. great recommendation. Another great pick, yeah. And yeah, his family's like deeply rooted in tradition and he's not like, you know, they tell him to go pray and he's just there like watching YouTube videos for the 15 Sets minutes. Sets the or, timer for five what? minutes. Yeah. yeah. He even tells his parents that at the end. And there's some heart, there's some like strong confrontational scenes in the movie that are, mm-hmm. okay, you're not laughing anymore. You know, you're laughing, you're laughing, then it's like dead serious, which is always good in any movie. Uh, one of the funny scenes, though, is the drive-through scene when he's been he's been yeah. going through a lot, and then he just wants his order, and the guy keeps repeating the the wrong thing. I'm sure we've all experienced that at while while ordering food. Yeah. Um. Can I get a burger with four slices of cheese? Four burgers and anything else? No. Sir? One burger with four slices of cheese. And he just like freaks out, but then at the end he composes himself and he's like, "Okay, I'm sorry." He starts like picking up the garbage again and. Four slices of cheese on the. Burger! I, I, that scene had me rolling. Some of the scenes with him and Ray Romano, Emily's dad, just yeah. like one-on-one, just like small minimalistic moments of like gold I found. When they're in the same bedroom together, like when <laughs> yeah. he reveals like how he messed up, I thought that was a pretty funny scene too. Yeah. No, honestly, there's definitely rewatchability value in this movie. I, I'm going to throw it on again in a few months for sure. Like I... Like I said, I thought it was hilarious and just a fun movie to watch and ends well. So that's all you want really out of a, a movie. Mm-hmm. Nowadays, I find like I'm, I'm all in on rom-coms these days. Like just keep them coming. Like I yeah. said, there's a few more like, that I watched recently. So good. It's yeah. a great feel-good movie. Like yeah, that's all we that's need. that's what to... we need these days. Yeah. We're still in the dark days right now. Oh. March right now. Like it's almost spring, but we need some of that spring and summer Love and, and um, yeah. just feel good vibes <laughs> for the winter. So, did you watch Grease for one of your picks? You're like summer loving. That was oh, a good. No, no, uh, I didn't. I've never seen. Oh, that Grease was unintended. Also, might <laughs> catch some good, heat though. for that. But um, so yeah, that I mean that's all I had also for Big Sick. Yeah, I mean we'll, we'll keep this theme going. So you're going with okay. the the rom coms. I'm going yeah. with the apocalyptic movies. So the next one we got was from the homie Gus. His movie was Greenland. Or Greenland, I should say. So it's yeah. basically in a nutshell, Gerard Butler. And there's kind of a commonality here between this movie Greenland and Train to Busan. In that a, um, a father going through a divorce with his wife basically comes together for the good of their child to get the child to a safer place. So basically what happens in this movie is that we start off at a, there's a barbecue happening at Gerard Butler's ex-wife's house. Like for their son's birthday. And then meteorites start falling from the sky, basically. And uh, it signals the impending apocalypse of planet Earth. And everyone's freaking out. And certain people do get called to come to a safe place, a safe haven, a bunker Mm -hmm. somewhere. They don't really say where, but they tell them to grab, pack one bag and head out for the airport. So all all the while this is happening, that this message got shared when everyone was at their house on the big screen. That <laughs> Gerard Butler forgot the character's name. 
You John. and your wife and your son pack one bag, leave immediately, and you'll be escorted to safety. So I thought <laughs> shit was going to hit the fan right there. I, I thought it was going to be a survival of the fit, only the strong survive situation. People are going to try to kill him, assume his identity or something. Like I just thought, because there are other families there, right? And they're concerned for their kids. And they're thinking like, oh, why didn't I get a message? But why did only John's phone get it? That I should be get, grab packing mm -hmm. a bag and going to safety as well. So that was a little weird. But then even everyone just leaves and then they leave the neighborhood and then one of their neighbors comes hysterically screaming at them while they're in the car like, take my daughter, like, get her to safety. And the message specifically said, you cannot bring anyone else, only you three, one bag, that's it. So again, you put yourself in that situation like... What if one of your best friends, a neighbor, someone you've loved, known for years, tells you, like, take my daughter, like, my eight-year-old daughter, who's friends with your son, who's crying, and just all that, like, is going through your head, and then, anyways, we're not going to get into the entirety of the plot here, but it's basically, they go through this whole journey to get to this safe haven in Greenland, and they get separated along the way, and, like, every, a society is just going nuts, people are looting, robbing, killing each other and stuff, it's just kind of reminiscent of what's going on right now with COVID, except not to that extreme, thank <laughs> God, that we're not yeah. resorting to those means to survive, right, so we've um, proven to be a superior creed of human beings greater than the ones depicted on the screen in greenland maybe in a year we'll uh, we'll talk and see where we're at but, um, <laughs> yeah no overall enjoyable movie you know what i don't think it's a, a fantastic movie by any means but you know what for what it is good entertainment solid movie I, i'd recommend it one time watch good action i love gerard butler he was awesome in it what did you think matt Oh, you said so much, so many good things. We'll start. I'll start off by addressing like what you said at the beginning. There's a lot of moral dilemmas at the beginning of the movie where it's like, what would you do in this situation? I absolutely loved all that, like with the the neighbor's daughter and all that. Like, what do you, and you get that message on your phone? Do you tell every like? Do you tell people? Do you, you know, you're the select few that got selected. So yep. what I liked about Greenland. And yes, it's not like a, it's not a masterpiece, but it's, it's a, I think it's above average. Like it's a, it was, I, I'm glad I watched it. It was the only other, I think it was the only other movie that was a first time watch for me. What I liked about this is it focuses more on the human condition than like illustrate, like than given a CGI and action, big action sequences. This movie does not have big, huge, like CGI fests type action. It's more about the human, the care, the, what the people are going through and the moral dilemmas. Mm -hmm. Our characters get separated at one point, and there's like heartbreaking scenes and like mildly disturbing scenes with like a couple taking Nathan, the son. Yep. And like, I was Roy so glad, like, office, actually. yeah. I, oh, okay. That's okay. Yeah, yeah. That's what I look from out here. And I was so happy Nathan ratted them out. I love that scene yeah, when the cops too. come. Oh, I was so happy. And like, the characters are really good in this movie. That's what made me interested in, like, that's what made the movie go fly by for me. It's just, I like the characters. Gerard Butler and um, the actress who plays the wife, the ex-wife. Yeah, Marina she's in Bakarin. A Gotta give yeah. her a shout out. Killed she's it. She's great. She's in so many TV shows. Yeah, she was, she was in, in Deadpool like, too, eh? As, uh, Deadpool, Vanessa. yes. Yes, and in Gotham. She was in, in uh, How Homeland. I Met Your Mother one episode. is The Swarly episode, if you recall. That does it rings a bell that she was on there actually yeah 
if you know you know no i love the characters and like um there's a scene where we kind of take a break from like the thrill and they go meet up with uh, her dad allison's dad Mm. played by scott glenn and that was just a nice quiet break jack crawford exactly from silence of the lambs just a quiet break and from all the thrills and I liked his interactions with Nathan, you know, like telling Nathan, like, yeah, I'll come meet up with you guys, you know, and you'll show me your polar, something about polar bears in the North Pole, like send me a letter. And like Scott Glenn knows he's not going anywhere, but he can at least like, I mean, Nathan is still innocent. So, you know, they kind of play along with them. And I, I like those tender moments in movies. So no, overall, I like, I'd give it like a seven out of 10, like an, like above average movie, but not like in the great category, just in like the very good category. Yeah, no, I enjoyed it as well. I, I think 7 out of 10 is is definitely it's accurate. Fair. Yeah, so now it's my turn. I'm going to pick, um, I believe this came from Chris Shore. Okay. My, yeah. uh, the P- Disney Pixar movie Soul. I had watched, I watched Soul immediately when it came out. I, I can't remember when it came out. Not like three, four months ago, maybe. maybe yeah, it was in December, that. I want to say. Okay. Um, and I loved it. Like, I, I really liked it. I thought it was solid. And I wasn't sure about rewatching it. I'm like, do I need to rewatch this? And then I decided to, and I'm so glad I did, because now it, it elevated the movie even more for me, knowing everything that was going to happen. Soul is a Pixar movie, and we're following our main character, Joe, voiced by Jamie Foxx. But, like, what happens to Joe in the movie is very, like, it's for adults mostly, I'm, I'm thinking, because, like, I don't know if a kid could watch Soul and understand all the messages and, like, the meaning of everything the characters are saying. It's a very powerful movie about like with messages such as like what it means like to be alive and like how, how we should view things differently sometimes. And there's instances in the movie where our characters are like looking at things negatively, but then you realize that you're looking at things all wrong. Like this movie has the potential to change your point of view on stuff on, on life. And I think that would go way above some children's uh, minds. Right at the beginning of the movie, Joe's on a way to a gig, the gig of a lifetime, because he's stuck in a dead end job in his mind. And he, he's so happy, like falls into an open sewer and he dies <laughs> or falls into a coma. And, but, and, but then you see Joe in like this approaching heaven in this uh, spirit form. And half the movie is Joe in this like ethereal spirit form going from like the, the I wrote it down. Before never or something. The great before? The great before. No. Close. I, I, don't, I think that would go a lot above a lot of kids' heads, like that whole concept of like, there's this place you're waiting to go to heaven. So Joe ends up in this place and they're, they're, he basically cheats death in the movie and they're kind of looking for him and wondering. And then he impersonates a mentor in this great before place. And he's, he's tasked to help uh, like a wandering spirit that's ready to live. But this particular person has been there for a thousand years because she refuses to go to Earth to live because she thinks for a multitude of reasons. And that's kind of what the movie's about is you you're learning why this little girl doesn't want to go to Earth and start living. She's too scared. And he's tasked to like find her spark, her inspiration to go to Earth. And I know this might sound like really if you haven't seen the movie, it's like, Matt, what the hell are you talking about? It sounds complicated. (laughs) I'm not doing the best job of explaining it. But when you watch it, it's very, like, simply put in front of you. Everything in the movie I love. The ending, to me, is great. Like, the final message, the last scene. Um, there's some really, like, powerful quotes in the movie that I'll, I'll maybe get into after. I, but I want to hear your thoughts on it first, Eric. 
Yeah, so I, I think you gave a great rundown on it, Matt. Like you, I watched it, I think, either the day that it dropped or a few days after. And I loved it. I thought it was a fantastic movie about kind of discover like the big thing I took away from it was it's about following and discovering your passion and along the way your passion can change into something completely new or different and can evolve from what you thought initially defined you and you can grow because of that and through that and discover a whole new side of yourself so that was something that I really took away from it that you can continue to learn and be stimulated in life every day and I'm not going to repeat the plot. You basically, I think you summed it up really well. And I mm-hmm. haven't re-seen it. And I wonder where it would have ended up on my top 10 Pixar movie list had we um, or had we done the episode after that the movie dropped. So I, w- I was a big fan of the movie. I, I love um, jazz movies as well. Saying that, I haven't seen many of them. I'm basically thinking of La La Land. Basically, I was a big fan of that movie. There's probably one or two more that I have in the back of my my mind's eye, but I I really enjoyed this. I think Jamie Foxx and Tina Fey killed it. They had a great dynamic. It's a great movie. Krishore, thanks a lot for the recommendation. I'm glad you enjoyed it, and I hope it inspires people who watch it that whatever you may think your identity is or what you think defines you because you're that person who likes this or that or whatever, like there is something more to learn from what you initially believe of yourself, right? And like meeting new people along the way can help you spark new passions and uh, develop new hobbies and meet new people through that as well. So uh, that would be my uh, input on the movie Soul. Everything you said was great. And I'm just rereading. I wrote a lot of quotes down from this movie because a lot of the quotes really made me think like I, I paused the movie and I thought about some of the stuff Joe said because there's like, uh, and I'll just go get into them. And there's nothing really to spoil in this movie. Like, uh, anyways, I'll just get into it. Um, Joe tells his mom at one point, he's like, I'm afraid that if I die today that my life would have amounted to nothing. Joe, that's how Joe sees the world. Like, there's a scene where he's looking at his past memories and he sees himself, like, eating a pie at the a pie in a diner all by himself. And he's looking at it really negatively at that point. But then, like, you switch it up to later on where he was, like, you don't have to view that as a bad thing. It, actually, like, why not give yourself, like, a little gift every day and just go have a nice piece of pie and just with your thoughts? You don't have to, like, always go, like, full out all the time. You need time for yourself, too. There's another part where ah, somebody tells Joe... I forget which character tells Joe this, but it's, like, it doesn't matter who tells Joe, but the quote is, there's, like, a fish that that swims to another fish and he says, like, hey, I'm trying to find the ocean. Where is it? And then the fish is, like, the fish like looks around is like the ocean you are in the ocean and that kind of it's it's the comparison of like i'm trying to like find the best way to live my life like how do i do this like the answer is just right there in front of you you're already doing it basically i hope i did a good job of explaining that right but that's there's like important meanings like that and the last thing i want to say is the soul number 22 voiced by tina fey like she's the soul that doesn't want to go to earth because she's scared is like i think everybody in the world has felt like uh, soul number 22 at one point which is thinking you're not good enough and like to keep going and just like being very down on yourself being your wor- own worst enemy because in the movie that's what she is she's just finding a million reasons why she doesn't want to live or and do it and then joe kind of like teacher like shows her uh enlightens her about that so but yeah i'm just gonna we'll leave it at that there's 
go watch if you haven't seen soul go watch it because there's a lot of like philosophical stuff going on there and i bet you like someone with a psych major could like really dig deep into this movie and there's a lot of stuff said that on second watch you catch it and you're like this is a really smart movie i remember watching it the first time and the only time actually one scene that stuck out to me was the barbershop scene and i wish i had Mm -hmm. a quote to go along with this but i feel like there are many gems dropped in that scene as there normally are in barbershops shout out Mm -hmm. sarah flow chopper and i think (laughs) that um that would definitely be like when you watch that movie listen tune in closely to that scene because i definitely felt like i was listening during that scene and i get the barber shares some good lines about what life is all about yeah and how he had different dreams and now he's a barber yeah exactly i've Eric, very good point. That's a very key scene, especially with the other man that's in the barbershop too, who yeah. kind of, him and Joe don't get off on the right foot, but then they kind of see eye to eye later on. Like, no, well said. Great movie. I don't think we want to, like, just watch this movie if you haven't. That's all I'm going to say. Yeah. It's Loved it. Great final words on Soul. So now we'll get into the next movie, which I'm going to go back to the well of Bassam. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> So the movie that I want to talk about next is quite a strange film. It's called Vivarium. <laughs> so okay. I'm just going to set the scene. Matt, I know you, you didn't get a chance to rewatch this one. And I've this is the first time seeing this movie for me there. So I'll set the scene. So it's basically Jesse Eisenberg and his girlfriend Imogen Poots are um, looking at homes basically in a, um, a new housing development project. Where basically every house looks the same. They get driven there by this creepy as shit guy named <laughs> Martin. Who, um, I don't know, there's just something off about this guy. And he drives them there in the, into this house, gives them the tour of the house, and suddenly just vanishes while they're looking at in the backyard of the house. He doesn't follow them to the backyard after having been with them in every single room of the home. They, they're like, all right, this creepy guy's gone. Let's get out of here. And they try to drive out of this neighborhood where, like I said, every single house looks the same. And it's like they're stuck in a labyrinth. For the life of them, they cannot get out of this development project, housing development project. So they're stuck there. They end up spending the night frustrated. Like they reluctantly set foot in the house and basically sleep in there. And um, the next day, I believe, so there's a package that gets shipped to them with food and supplies and stuff that they'll need to be able to live there because they've kind of accepted for now like okay we can't get out of here like they're trying to signal and they actually try to walk across from backyard to backyard to see how far this thing goes and it's endless and they basically mm-hmm. end up back at the house so the hmm. it's just a weird situation that they're in where they seem to have entered some sort of purgatory of houses and the, there's no getting out of it so then a box shows up in front of their house and there's a newborn child there and there's a message inside the box that says Raise the child and you will be set free. So basically, they're under the impression that they need to raise this kid and then they'll be able to get out of this this hell as they come to mm-hmm. describe it as later on. It was a really weird movie. Like, it was definitely a thriller and um, uncomfortable and, like, unsettling sometimes because the kid grows up very fast. So you basically see the kid in three different stages in his life. Infant, then... Um, boy i guess nine or ten years old tops and then late teens if not 21 and i gotta say when he's a boy 
I've never wanted to strangle a boy <laughs> character in a movie as much as I have with this kid. <laughs> I wanted to reach through the TV and just smack this kid. He's just the the biggest piece of shit to Imogen Poots, who I loved in this movie, and mm-hmm. Jesse Eisenberg, who I, I wasn't like. I mean, he played the character really well, but you definitely, I I was more a fan of the of the girlfriend who ends up becoming more of a mother figure to the the kid than Jesse Eisenberg, who's a reluctant father figure and. He delves into digging a hole basically in front of their house trying to escape. Like he, he seems to think he's onto something by digging a hole in the front of the house. Mm-hmm. And it's just interesting to see how the dynamic with these characters develops as the movie goes on. Where they seem to have accepted that, okay, like we're going to raise this kid, but he's such a pain to deal with and makes it very difficult for them to deal with him and raise him. Yeah, I mean, the... It was a journey for sure. It didn't really go where I I thought and wanted it to go. I'll say that. Okay. But um, it was a good movie, I'll say overall. Very weird though and creepy. What did you yeah. think, Matt? I think what the last thing you were saying, like, did you enjoy the journey more than the destination? Because that ending is like a, what makes or breaks it in some regards, I'd say. Yeah, um, I had my th- I had my vision of where it was going. I did call a few things along the way. Uh-huh. I got some things right, but others is way off, which is good. Like I do like to be surprised. I don't like to predict everything, and it's rare that that does happen. But I didn't like the ending. I'll say that I, I was not okay. happy with how it ended. Don't get me wrong. I think it was a very well thought out ending, and mm-hmm. I did see one thing coming in the ending though of the I like what would happen to the boy. Yeah. Okay. So yeah, yeah. I saw that coming, but I okay. didn't. I didn't love how it ended. I've only seen this movie. I wanted to rewatch it, but wasn't unable to. And I, I've watched. I watched this movie in the middle of like my 2020 horror film grind, where I'm trying to cram them all in. But I still remember it fairly well because I actually I really like this movie because I think it's very original. There's more style than substance in this movie in the sense that they they give you a lot of like uh, the what is really good, but the how is not always. It's nightmare logic almost where you just have to just shrug your shoulders and be like, well, it, it's that because it's that. It's just a Twilight Zone-esque nightmare scenario where they don't, you just have to accept what you're seeing. The ending, I, I did enjoy because it kind of, that's what puts it over the edge in the horror category for me. That whole, the whole ending sequence. Um, but like the premise is the strength of this movie a hundred percent. Like when you describe this movie to someone, you're like, okay, I want to watch it. I want to know like what the conclusion is going to be like, had the conclusion been a little better. Like I agree. It could have been, uh, it could have been better. This movie would be like way lo- more applauded. Like people would like it more. Um, the performances were great. Um, I like the journey of this movie more than the, the destination. Um, I do want to rewatch it now because I mean, hearing you talk about it, I'm remembering more and more. So I owe it a rewatch and maybe I'll catch little things at the beginning, knowing how it ends. You try to catch stuff that you missed the first time. Correct. So I think this is a movie for that, for a second watch. Super original movie for sure. Mm -hmm. And like I said, the whole time I was wondering where it was going to go and uh, you're there for the journey. Like you said, this kind of, again, apocalyptic, um, supernatural freaky stuff going on and it's a very enclosed movie like it's the same setting for the majority Mm -hmm. of the movie right you're dealing with three characters the whole time and Mm -hmm. you just want to see how they're how they're going to progress and develop throughout these things that they're being 
am forced to endure these trials and tribulations. And you see how one of them submits himself to the father, goes to his own work and into isolation and not wanting to be there for the child. Whereas um, Imogen Poots, like I said, goes for the motherhood uh, approach and wants to connect with him despite how he's been for them. Like, he has not been a great son by any means. Like, I don't really think there are many people, unless they were they had no choice but to raise this child, that wouldn't have really wanted to be a mother for him. And I don't blame Jesse Eisenberg's character, bad with names right now, um, for not wanting to be there for him. It's a... Vivariums, like, to sum up, it's, it's fun to watch. Like, just the premise, it's worth watching. It's worth checking out this movie. A lot of movies start off great like Vivarium and then fall really flat. This one keeps you interested because of the two great lead actors and the relationships between our three characters. So, it's a strong... It's a recommend for me. But you can't think too logically about this. Yeah, I'd agree with that. So, um, I'm up next for selecting the movie. I'm going to keep it on like a darker theme here and pick one of Justin's movies, American Psycho. Mm, So me and you, Eric, we have talked about this movie in another what we watched our uh, movies watched during quarantine episode. Um, I still rewatched it, though. Okay, nice. I should have, to be honest. I don't need an excuse to watch American Psycho. This is a a perfect excuse to like, oh, throw it on again. My thoughts haven't changed. It's 10 out of 10 masterpiece (laughs) for me. Everything about this movie is great. Like. Like I said before, Patrick Bateman describing his morning routine at the beginning. Then moisturizer, then an anti-aging eye balm followed by a final moisturizing protective lotion. The voiceover is great, the soundtrack. There's, there's, I wrote that, I'm just going to say this one quote in the movie that, by, I'm not going to restate my theory that I have on this movie. I said it last time, but like there's a quote at the beginning where he's looking at himself in the mirror doing his uh, routine and he's like, there is an idea of a Patrick Bateman. And um, and then he says, like, I may, I may shake your hand in public. I may do this. But he sums up his monologue with, like, I'm simply not there. He, he goes through the motions of life, but he's, he, he's living in his own head, basically. Yeah, I don't, I don't know what else to say. I don't want to go off on American Psycho for 10 minutes. We've already, like, think, like we already favor, gave rave reviews on it last time, right, Eric? That's the thing, and I actually listened to that episode today. So episode 47, <laughs> Movie Scene Quarantine Part 3, check it out. Around the, the I want to say the 36-minute mark, you can check out our thoughts on American Psycho. So check that out. I'm not going to say anything more. Like, okay. Great movie, though, Justin. I'm glad. I, I do think you hadn't seen it until we recommended it, so I'm glad you enjoyed it. And great movie. Oh, Africa, Brave Africa. Classic oh, scene. I, I, Eric, I died when he said that because you said that last <laughs> yeah. time, and I remembered. <laughs> I believe it was. Oh man, I actually should have. I should throw it on again soon. <laughs> it's been a little bit. Like that was we did that episode in November, I think. Yeah. So yeah. Is it, he's with Jared Leto at the restaurant, and the waiter's like, "Do you want me to read you the specials?" And then he looks at him. He's like, "Not if you want to keep your spleen." <laughs> <laughs> Just stuff like that. I'm like, what? <laughs> okay. Yeah. Let's let's oh move God, on. I know you could yeah. keep ripping quotes here <laughs> yeah. for us, and it would be great. So if they do come up organically later in the episode, I approve. But okay. uh, we'll move it along. So yeah, thanks Justin for that submission. So the next movie, I guess we're we're kind of dwindling down here to the people's submission. So I'm gonna have, have to go again with another Bassam one, but a little more lighthearted. And I loved this movie. Had never seen it before. It's called mm. Kick Ass. So okay. I thought this was a great flick. Lots of fun. 
hilarious, and I love the concept of the question being asked, why aren't there any superheroes in the world? Or just more people doing more to stop crime. So why is it only something that we see in movies? This is the question that our main character, played by Aaron Taylor Johnson, who ends up becoming the character of Kick-Ass, a superhero, poses very early in the beginning. He and his friends are um, teenagers in high school. They're big comic book geeks, aficionados, you could say. And he become he basically orders this suit on Amazon Prime, most likely, and decides to take to the streets and become um, a neighborhood kick-ass Spider-Man without the being bitten by a radioactive spider, of course, and become <laughs> a superhero and stop cr- fight crime. So I, I really enjoy this movie. And then he, he ends up getting entangled in a web, no pun intended, of, of real superheroes who fight crime and are involved in high stakes mafia rings of drug commandeering and (laughs) anyways and yeah so basically he gets involved with real superheroes who i loved hit Mm -hmm. girl and her father (laughs) big daddy who are the mvps of this movie nicholas cage plays big daddy and hit girl was hilarious her her action scenes were amazing where she's just <laughs> chopping down like 220-pound men and like armed with machine guns and she's just dancing around, jumping around in midair like with a samurai sword and just sick action scenes. And it definitely exceeded my expectations. I didn't expect it to be that gory and have, a, like I said, bloody violence and graphic humor too. It's just great stuff. I also found it funny that both the actors who play the character Quicksilver in yeah. um, like the superhero are in this movie. So Evan Peters and Aaron Taylor Johnson, <laughs> they both play this famous um, Marvel or X-Men character. I guess both Marvel. And uh, yeah, I thought that was pretty funny. Great movie. I'm probably not going to watch the sequel. I saw that it didn't get great reviews. And that's kind of to be expected. This movie really works well because... It's so unexpected. It shouldn't work as well as it did, but they just nailed everything that it's the kind of formula you you bottle up and it works one time. Mm-hmm. It's lightning in a bottle, you know, it's well said. Yeah. I, I can't imagine the second one was near like holds a candle to this one. What are your thoughts on Kick Ass One, Matt? Just quickly, the second one, you're absolutely right about it. Like you're right to skip it. This is lightning in a bottle. I remember seeing this when it came out right away because everyone was talking about it in school. Love this movie. Um, I'll touch like um, the bad guy, Mark, played by Mark Strong, was great, and then his son, uh, McLove, played by McLovin, uh, from Superbad. <laughs> everyone knows who he is. Yeah. Where they're great. Uh, Chloe Grace Moretz. This is like her introduction in in the acting world for most people. Like she's huge star now. Like she's in a lot of stuff every year now. She's a really talented young actress. Or like she's only like 12 I think in this movie and she yeah. I won't say the quote because it has the C word in it but her one of the lines she says before she like wrecks everybody up always has me in stitches and then she like just before she's gonna chop them all up great Nicolas Cage is great too I, I really think the beginning of the movie is hilarious with uh, Aaron Taylor Johnson's with kick-ass like he's just like getting beat up and like his his school life I like seeing that aspect like what's going on in school and his home life. And yeah. he's kind of like a little pathetic in a funny way. The script's really sharp too. Like it, it's never boring. 
the 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 action is done the director of this movie matthew vaughn has gone to do like kingsman the kingsman movies and you can see like where he's he gets all those action scenes like that's his style like that very violent action scenes but well done not too many edits you you see clearly what's going on on screen and i like his style so kick-ass very i didn't even have to rewatch this one because i've seen it should've. multiple times maybe i should have yeah but oh, okay. uh I'm just looking up quotes right now. Hit Girl okay. had so many quotes that had yeah. me rolling. So just Roll well, the first time you see yeah. her in action, basically, when she saves Kick-Ass in the apartment, then when she, she kills everybody, and then the one girl in the apartment, like, breaks a bottle and, like, holds it up to, to Hit <laughs> yeah. Girl. She's like, so, you want to play? And then you just know, like, she just messes the girl up. I don't know. Her delivery, <laughs> like, it's not a hilarious line, but just how she says it was really funny. Yeah. You know, she she's just going to mess up the girl. And then... Later in the movie, when a big moment is being filmed, without saying like, spoiling anything, there she rolls up and just like does her thing, and then points at the camera like shows every motherfuckers and just shoots the <laughs> camera. <laughs> and just no, the fact that it's this twelve-year-old girl saying these yeah. things, it just makes it so much funnier. So if you've never seen Kickass, definitely recommend. Great stuff, and yeah, Big Daddy great character as well he's dressed as batman he has some great action scenes too very solid and the movie did not like i was afraid the last time i watched it i was like oh is it gonna hold up because it did come out like i think it's 2009 or 10 right 2010 Um, yeah yeah it still holds up in my opinion so okay so the next movie uh, i think we're dwindling down to like just justin and basam if i'm if my memory are not mistaken okay I'm going to talk about the more lighthearted stuff before we get into a couple like heavier hit or heavy hitting movies from Basam. Mm. So we'll talk about just the Austin Powers movies briefly. Another uh, picks from Justin. For myself, Austin Powers are like some of the first movies I remember watching as a kid, not being able to watch it because I wasn't old enough, but like kind of sneaking, uh, going to a friend's house and watching it in secret, especially the second one, Austin Powers, the spy who shagged me. That was the one that really like hit home for me where I was like, oh my, I'm not even allowed to be watching this, but I can't get enough. It's too, <laughs> it, I, I loved it as a kid, loved it. And I went to see a uh, gold member in the theater. I think I was 12 and I, I loved it too. I liked all the Austin Powers movies as a kid. Now rewatching them as an adult, I have a different like perspective where it's more like bathroom kids humor, which I, I, I like, like I'm not, I like that humor too, but it's a little over the top now and it has not aged as as well as I would have liked to. Like I I do cringe a lot watching it now and I'm like, "Ooh, I don't even know if some of these jokes would be made today." Especially with like the mini me stuff and fat bastard. Like I don't know, there's a lot of like politically incorrectness going on. It's just cringe now and not as funny as I remember as a kid. As a kid, I thought every scene in Austin Powers was funny. Every scene was gold for me as a kid. Now I'm just not really laughing. I'm just like, ooh. I remember. <laughs> I, I I look at it fondly because I'm like, oh yeah, as a kid, I like this. Now, not so much. Like, had you seen these as a kid, Eric, or just recently? Like, you know what? That's the thing. Like, I never saw those movies as a kid, okay. and it's kind of hard to get into because mm-hmm. I didn't have that nostalgia for these movies. That right. I mean, I didn't find as funny, and like you said, a little cringe. But you know what? Like, there's still some entertainment value in them. It's 
I think if I had grown up on them, I would have found it a little funnier rewatching them now. But since, for the most part, I had only seen them, it was my the first time I saw them. I had seen Goldmember as a kid, and I I want to say I thought it was funny, but rewatching these ones nowadays, or watching them, I mean nowadays, I th- I thought it was like all right, like not really my style of humor right. these days. But they, yeah, you know what? They had their place in in time mm-hmm. and in cinematic history. They definitely um. Like, there's merit to them, but nowadays, mm-hmm. not as much, I want to say. And I think that goes for, I don't know if I'm completely disrespecting Mike Myers here, because I love him in oh. Shrek, but, like, I don't know if rewatching many of his old movies that I may have found funny back in the day, like, So I Married an Axe Murderer, for example. I haven't mm-hmm. seen this movie in years, but I remember thinking it was very funny when I was a kid. Now, if I watch it in 2021, would I still find it funny? I don't know. Maybe because I have the nostalgia, I would. I don't know. I think you would. And I, I have an example of another funny. movie that I watched when I was a kid, and I re- just rewatched this week, actually, and it, it did hold up. So we'll get to that later. And I came down hard on these movies. I just came, like, I was being negative a moment ago, but Mike Myers does do a great job playing all the characters, and the James Bond spoof aspect is very strong in these. Like, if you're a big James Bond fanboy fangirl, you'll love all the little references. There's a lot of stuff for from all... The, they pull stuff from every James Bond movie and, like, parcel it in their little Easter eggs. So there, there's some merit to them. Like, they're not just a waste of time. They're they're thought out. It's just... It's not the humor for me anymore. So mm-hmm. yeah, I think... I uh, yeah. So I'm curious to see which movie you're going to pick next. I believe we have two remaining. So I completely forgot that he said Usual Suspects too, but I'm going to I didn't rewatch this. So yeah, so for Basam's next two movies, I'm going to kick us off then with the one that I had never seen before called The Boy in the Striped Pajamas, which mm-hmm. I had no idea what this movie was about going into it. I mean, no expectations. And it was a really tough watch, I'm not going to lie. It's about mm-hmm. um um a boy who's the son of a Nazi high-ranking official. Their family moves to a um, a country house, kind of. And they're now in isolation in the countryside where there is a concentration camp not too far away from their estate or their um, their house. Bruno is the name of the, the yeah. our main character, the boy, the son of the Nazi official. And he befriends Schmoll, who's Schmoll. A, a young Jewish boy who's imprisoned in the concentration camp. And yeah, I found this really, this movie really tough to watch. And while I don't know if this was based on a true story, it definitely could be, which just makes it so emotional and tough to watch. I don't know. I don't think this is a movie I'll be watching again. I definitely do think that there is, I do think this is a movie that should be watched just so we get insight on how things were during those difficult times. And I can speak from experience, like, I've been to a concentration camp in Germany. And oh, wow. That, that was just tough, a very difficult environment to be walking around and listening to a, a guided audio um, tour of the things that happened on those uh, grounds. So it definitely hit home watching and just a tragic movie. What were your thoughts on the movie, Matt? So I had seen this a long time ago. And I never wanted to rewatch it, but then when we it got selected, I was like, okay, I, I think I'm ready to rewatch this movie. Um, anytime you watch like a World War II movie, it's hard, 
even more so when it's about like the Holocaust specifically and dealing with the, the Nazi death camps slash concentration camps. It's a very hard subject to like do on film. And how do you present that? Like, do you do it super objectively or do you paint like who are the like this movie shows us the German per, a point of view and the and the Jewish point of view of things. And that is shown from the get go with the opening credits when they beautifully like and I say beautifully, like it's shot super well. The beautiful juxtaposition between the rich Germans, aka Bruno's family, and the liquidation of the ghetto, which would be like Schmal's uh, family, like getting sent to camp. Like they just show a, a scene by scene transition of like the preparations, and it's like it's just shocking. Two completely different worlds in one city. It's yeah. it's it's mind numbing. It's 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 insane. And the movie deals with the innocence of children because. We're following Bruno's point of view on everything. Like, we're following him throughout the movie. And he's super naive, as he should be. I mean, he's only, like, what? what is he, 8 or 10? Yeah. 8, I think. And he questions everything. He has a very active imagination. And he's like, why? Like, he's like, he looks, he looks out the window and he thinks there's a farm there and people cultivating. But it's really, like, the camp that his dad, uh, is the, that his dad takes care of. And he just, he sneaks out, befriends Schmull, and they start talking. And he the, the things he asks Schmull are so uncomfortable. Like, if any, because they're uncomfortable because he has no idea, like, that Schmull is imprisoned in this camp. And he thinks everything's okay. And it's so heartbreaking to watch Bruno ask all these questions. Like, well, why are you wearing this? How come you don't eat food? Why are you always hungry? Like, he's just so innocent. Like, he has not been affected by the atrocities of, like, the situation in Germany. And he's just, everything's been given to him his whole life. He is a spoiled kid, but he's not mean. He's very, like, um, understanding. And there is one heartbreaking scene, though, where he kind of betrays Schmull when he says, like, I don't know who this is. He stole the food when he's the one who gave it to him. Oh, I was rattled at that scene. That was, like, in, it was so hard to watch that scene. And we're not going to say what happens at the end. But that's just like soul-crushing ending. That's all I'm going to say about the ending. It's just, that's why I don't want to rewatch the movie because of the ending. It's just, it makes you think about like everything else that happened. And I don't know. Very, very sad movie. The the other actors in the movie too, like uh, David Thewlis, who plays the dad, and Vera Farmiga, the mom, they're both great too. And the mom character goes through a transition of like, not knowing exactly what her husband does to like more understanding more and she she kind of sees the light at the end same with the sister character they kind of go into the sister character a little what's happening with some of these characters is what happened to a lot of germans at that time and this movie just shows like the different ways germans were uh radicalized exactly how they were yeah. dealing with the situation so i think like the sister character is a perfect example of how they were like that belief system was instilled in them right Mm -hmm. like through how quickly she adopts these values and like is kind of brainwashed to this belief system is scary like that this really Very. happened and that's the thing that's why just to bring it back to what i said earlier that like this i don't know if this was based on a real a true story but it easily could have been and it, mm -hmm. it was really like it at the end of the day this probably what is a true story for how a lot of german families back then were um radicalized and like you said, I don't have anything else to add on this one. It gives you a good insight on some of the activities that happened in concentration camps. And it's not, I don't think this is a movie for everyone. You have to have a, like, be able to stomach 
some tough stuff, I mm-hmm. think, and uh, super sad movie. Like I said, yeah. I'm not going to watch this again. Glad mm-hmm. I watched it, though, I will say. Is it an entertaining movie? Not really. It's a no. powerful movie. Exactly. It's one of those, like, it's just powerful. You're not, you're not like, sitting with a smile while watching this movie. No. So. Basan's last movie is The Usual Suspects. The Usual Suspects, for me, I remember it fondly because it's one of those movies I remember renting from Blockbuster mm-hmm. when I was around 15 years old when I had watched Goodfellas and started my quest for, like, watching all the good movies I could. Like, Goodfellas ignited my passion to become, like, a film, like, aficionado. And one of them was Usual Suspects, a movie that I rented where I heard nothing but great things about it. So I watched it very confused throughout the movie while watching it as a 15-year-old. But then the ending, I had to be explained what happened at the end. I, I didn't even... I, after the ending, I was still confused as a 15-year-old what happened. I was I didn't know. But now, like, re-watching it so many times, it's it's a brilliant movie of of an unreliable narrator. And we've seen this throughout, like... Like, you're an English major, right? Like, how many books have, like, that unreliable narrator thing going on? And, like... We only know what they're telling us, but is it really happening type thing? And this is what The Usual Suspects is. It's like a... It's a rush liter- on at its finest. It's a, yes. And with phenomenal actors. I mean, Kevin Spacey won an Oscar, a Best Supporting Actor for this movie. Gabriel Byrne's great. All of them are great. Now, I'm. you had seen this movie before, right, Eric? Like, you, Yeah, I forget if we talked about it already on the pod. I think... I've only oh, seen okay. it the one time. Okay. I, I loved it. I'd have to check the game tapes to see if I've, I've already spoken about this movie before. But, yeah, I, I didn't rewatch it for this because there are so many other movies that I had never seen before. So I wanted to give those my full undivided attention. Definitely recommend Usual Suspects. I did understand the ending because I saw it as okay. a 25-year-old, I believe. Okay. I saw it last year. So, yeah, great movie. Um, yeah. Usual this, suspects. <laughs> this mo- Sorry, this I don't movie have that is, much to add on it, to no, be honest. But I'll, I'll add a couple more things. Like, this movie is super well-known for the ending. If you over. Google any best ending lists, movie endings, best of, uh, best twist, best this, Usual Suspects is always it's mentioned, as it should. And, but there's, like, there's stuff that like, you notice on multiple viewing. Like, just... This movie has come out a long time. I still won't spoil it, actually. No, you know, no, there that, might I be like one Usual person. Usual Suspects is one of those movies that gets an unspoken code. Everyone knows that the ending is don't, crazy, but you don't, don't spoil the it. ending of Usual okay. Suspects. I feel like that's an unspoken rule. I won't say anything about it then. Oh, yeah, Brian Singer. Okay, the director of the movie Brian Sing- is Brian Singer, who did a bunch of X-Men, X-Men movies, yeah. and like, like this was his start. So, I don't know, this... If this is your, one of your first movies, I mean, you have a promising career. And then he directed Dark Phoenix. Yeah, okay. <laughs> yeah, but he got paid, so I don't know if that's successful or not. Like, if you make a paycheck, is that... You do a commercial... He went commercial, basically. Yeah, yeah, he did. He went really commercial. I just have one note on this movie. Okay, do you remember in Pulp Fiction, the Zed character that entraps Bruce Willis and Marcellus Wallace, yep. like, in the pawn shop, and then he brings out the gimp? Yeah. Well, that actor, it that actor is in Usual Suspects. His name's Peter Green, and there's this, there's a, there's a quote in Usual Suspects where he says, "Feed it to the gimp." Oh yeah. So okay. I, I wow. thought that was funny talking about verbal. Wow, so I, I thought that was funny. That. Yeah, because <laughs> he says, "Bring out the gimp in Pulp Fiction." Next year, he says, "Feed it to the gimp." Wow. I don't know. I thought that was funny. And Usual Suspects came out in what year? Ninety five. Ninety five. Okay, yeah. so one year after Pulp Fiction. So. Exactly. Nice. Yeah. 
nice little Easter egg there. <laughs> it is an yeah. I I had to write that down. That's great. So yeah, thanks everybody for the submissions. We actually did get one more submission that Matt unfortunately I just got last minute. And I had to crush this movie yesterday. And I didn't really want to tell you about this movie, so I'm just going to okay. spring this on you. Okay. I was suggested by my brother, Zach, to watch this 2010 indie classic comedy movie called Cyrus. Oh, okay. <laughs> have you seen this movie? No, I have not. Am I glad to have not seen it? Okay, so I'll just, I'll just dive right into it. On paper, you got John C. Riley plays John who is a divorced man of seven years now. And he, he's kind of a loser down in the dumps, nothing going for him. And then gets okay. asked by his ex-wife, who he's still on very good terms with, actually, to go to a party where he eventually meets a woman called Molly, who's played by Marissa Tomei, way out of his league. <laughs> yeah, this no kidding. This is a no-brainer. <laughs> for some reason, she's drawn to him. They hook up. <laughs> He's on cloud nine. He's got this girl who's like way too hot for him and just a sick character. Like I loved Molly and, and I also loved John though. He was also a great character. Like I did, he's John C. Riley, likable guy and super funny mm -hmm. and whatnot. But anyways, and then as things start to get a little serious and by a little, I mean, they've hung out a few times. He ends up going to her house and he meets her 21-year-old son named Cyrus, played by Jonah Hill, who's extremely unsettling, uncomfortable, awkward, just a really weird cat. And <laughs> you can see immediately where this is going, that John C. Riley is competing with Jonah Hill for the love and affection of Molly. So this movie is exactly what you expect it will be, but I loved it all the same. Okay. So many classic moments and the dynamic between Cyrus and John is dynamite. Just the whole time you're waiting for this explosion to happen between these two characters where they're playing games with each other. Cyrus is unrelenting and not really admitting that he has his own agenda, but John suspects that this kid, like, he's being nice to him and all, but... Deep down, he hates John. Like, that's what John thinks that Cyrus is thinking. This movie is an hour and a half long, 90 minutes divided in three perfectly paced 30-minute acts. And by the, the end of the second act, stuff really starts to unravel. And mm -hmm. I was dying the whole time. It's, like I said, an extremely uncomfortable and awkward movie. But I was dying of laughter a lot. And I definitely recommend it. Matt, and I remember back in the day, I saw trailers for it, and it just looked terrible. I, I watched this movie, like, the trailers, I mean, judged it immediately. Even being a fan of Jonah Hill and John C. Ryan, just, like, the premise of it, it's just, like, this can't work. But on the other, on the flip side, it's, like, it's a killer cast, so it should work. Mm -hmm. And, like I said, you know it, it's exactly what you think it's going to be, but it works. Like, it's a really weird movie, but I recommend written and directed by the Duplis brothers okay, who are I'm known for more horror movies. And I would mm -hmm. say this movie definitely has some horror vibes to it where there's some shaky camera work, zoom ins, Cyrus pops up out of nowhere. And the thing is, you know, he's there. Like John is in the house. Like he's just walking around, like looking for Molly, the, the pacing, like nothing's happening for 10 seconds. And then, 
hey John, John camera <laughs> sh- pans over Cyrus, close up to Cyrus's face, and um, there's one scene in particular where this happens. You'll know what scene I'm talking about. It was hilarious. Okay. Anyways, great stuff, Zach. Thank you. And when Zach recommended this to me, I, I thought this was going to be terrible. That okay. he was like just messing with me there, but no, I love this movie. Okay, and that's I'm what I'm saying. Like, these are the kind of movies yeah. I'm looking for nowadays. Like I want the 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 good endings, the um, funny rom coms. Like that's what I'm all in on right now. So yeah, Matt, I would, it's on Disney Plus. If you have it, check it out. Yeah. Okay. I'll be checking it out a hundred percent. That cast is great. So I, I kind of forgot about that. Until you said the word Cyrus, I forgot the movie existed. It's good to have reminders like that. Like, Hey, do you remember that movie? And then, yeah, it's good. So no, I will be checking it out. I am curious to know though, what that movie you rewatch from childhood is, but uh, oh, that'll be my next all good one. things must come to an end. Yeah. Um, okay. That, uh, I'll talk about this movie here. It, it came out this year. I literally just watched this two nights ago. It's with Denzel Washington, uh, Jared Leto, and Rami Malek. It's called The Little Things. Uh, it's like a crime mystery detective movie. Denzel plays like a, a cop. Well, an ex-cop. Now he's just like a patrolman on the highway. Um, but basically, uh, crimes happen. Denzel gets roped in into like an old case from 10 years ago and similarities. And he has an interest now. And Rami Malek plays the leading investigator on this case trying to catch a killer. And they're both like trying to, it's basically a a crime mystery movie. And I'm not going to leave it at that. I don't want to give too many plot details. But this movie kept my attention all the way up to the ending. Like there's some really good stuff going on. Denzel Washington never does any wrong and he's great in this movie. Jared Leto plays a creepy, extremely creepy character. And I think they put like um, lenses in his eyes to make him darker. And he, he just, he has a different look to him in this movie and he's, He's amazing in this movie. Jared Leto, great actor, and he doesn't disappoint in, in the little things. The ending is like going to be the topic of debate when watching this movie, like discussing it after. I don't want to like say why, but it's, it's a, for sure a talking point. That's all I'm going to say. So The Little Things from 2021, starring Denzel Washington. I, I thoroughly enjoyed it. Okay, so the homie Paul Allen making an appearance in there. Yeah. Um, okay, right on, man. I do want to watch that movie. I I didn't see a trailer or anything, but I did see like a a poster. I want to say of the movie, and it did look interesting. Like the look of Jared Leto, he definitely looked different in this one. So I was intrigued just from the poster. So and that that's a killer cast, right? So I'll Absolutely. definitely be adding it to the list for sure. Speaking of movies that have come out, like the Golden Globes were uh, last weekend at the time of recording. Yeah. And um, a lot of movies that I do want to watch, like Nomadland and, Mm -hmm. um, okay, there's one with um, Stephen Young from The Walking Dead. Minari, I think it's called. Yeah. Have you seen that movie? No, I heard it's great. I want to watch that. Yeah, me too. So I watched a 2020 comedy called I Care A Lot. Starring Rosamund Pike. So the premise of this movie is I watched this thinking that this would be just like a lighthearted comedy. Even though there's kind of some dark undertones just in the description of the movie. But it's basically she plays like a con artist at the end of the day. She um, uses her connections and great reputation as a legal guardian to become the legal guardian. And take care of elderly citizens on the claim that they are unfit to take care of themselves and she basically has connections in um elderly care homes has doctors on her payroll where they write notes 
for her saying that these um, elderly residents are no longer mentally fit to take care of themselves. So she comes in with her crew, become, assumes ownership, like, um, control basically of their assets as their guardian says like, oh, we'll just take care of everything for you and get you in this home. And typically people who don't have, who aren't on good terms with their family members or don't have any heirs to begin with. And then they basically extract all of their wealth for themselves so her and her um, girlfriend in the movie are the two lead con artists and then they have a bunch of other people on their payroll as well so interesting premise for sure and her most recent victim basically is on paper kind of like a cyrus like this should be money you know you got your no heir she's starting to have dementia and short-term memory loss forgets who she is is unfit to take care of herself blah 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 so she swoops in there takes control of her home, all of her assets, and puts her in an elderly care home. Of course, things are not as they seem. Mm. She does have a um, a few people who have invested interest in her, and this becomes a um, a case where Rosamund Pike's character is entangled with a Russian mafia entity. So that's where all the intrigue comes in. A lot of crazy things happen. And the whole time, like... You're supposed to be rooting for Rosamund Pike's character. I wasn't, though. I was not a fan of hers. She gives a great performance. She actually won a Best Lead in a Comedy Golden Globe Award for this movie. So she was definitely dynamite in this. I just didn't like that she was taking advantage of elderly people. So I wanted to see her lose. Overall, very enjoyable movie. Not a laugh-out-loud, like, rolling-over comedy. Definitely a dark comedy. Some good twists along the way. It's on Prime Video. I would definitely recommend. Okay. I'll put on my list because I did see the, I, I saw it pop up, read about it, and I just dismissed it. I'm like, I don't know if, if, if this is for me, but hearing you talk about what happens in the movie, now you got me going. Like, now I have Go. to know what happens. Because <laughs> I'm super not, like, I'll watch any movie. I just need that little kick, like, that little push from someone saying, actually watch it. Because no one's talked about, I've never, I haven't heard anyone talk about the movie yet, so. My next movie is on Netflix, and the reason I wanted to watch this movie, it's because it, it, it was only starring two actors, John David Washington from Tenet, uh, Denzel's son, common theme, yeah, and Zendaya, which she was great in that TV show Euphoria that I really liked, so oh, nice. just her and John David Washington, it's called um, Malcolm and Mary, it's shot in black and white, it's shot like an old Hollywood movie, and it's, it's basically a play. They both come back from, he's a director, they come back from his pre, big movie premiere and they come back to the house and then the arguments just start flying and stuff just gets unearthed. Stuff that like, t there's a little bit of tension, like you know something's gonna, like they're gonna blow up eventually and then it gets there and it's just maybe mildly exhausting to watch because it's a couple argument the whole movie, but I found this extremely like riveting and like, I was always like, okay, what's going to happen next? How is he going to get out of this situation? How is she going to get out of this situation? What he said is unforgivable. What's going to happen now? And I was always kept on my toes. And I was satisfied with the movie ultimately with the ending. So it's like, it, you're basically, it's a play. Just two characters going at it. All dialogue. But when, all, when the dialogue is good, I can watch an all, all dialogue movie, no problem. So I recommend uh, Malcolm and Mary if you like those type of like, play like movies where it's all about the script and the two characters and they're both strong actors so that's malcolm and mary on netflix okay yeah i was definitely intrigued and like i, I did want to watch this movie 
It's on my list for sure. And yeah, I mean, the the mystery or the mysterious allure of this movie in that you know it's an enclosed setting. Are there other key players that are going to come into play? Like, I had seen trailers for it going into it, so I have my ideas of where it could maybe go. Like, they, it's, this seems to be on paper a love story, right? Like, it's Malcolm and Mary. It dropped on uh, Valentine's Day. This should be, like, a beautiful love story, but... Is this guy hiding something? Is she hiding mm. something? I don't mm-hmm. know. So there's definitely some yeah. intrigue, and uh, you ha- you have the answers. Like I'm looking at you right now, mm-hmm. you know exactly what happens. I don't. So mm-hmm. I'm gonna I'm definitely gonna check it out, and uh, well, I'll let you know what I think of it. Yeah, it's got all that, and it's very vicious. Like it's some people that could relate would find it hard. I've never been in that situation, but like it's it's very brutal and vicious. Just the the words they're using and saying, it's okay. just like oh. And big for Zendaya to be doing these kind of roles, mm-hmm. right? Like, she's more known yeah. for, um, I think she came up in Disney, I want to say. Yeah. And now she's doing, like, more adult roles. And she's also in, like, Marvel as Marvel, Mary yeah. MJ in um, Spider-Man. So, yeah, she's definitely a, a great young actress. And I definitely do, you recommend Euphoria as well? Oh, that show, I, to keep it brief, it's very, it's a very explicit, dark intense show so i can't recommend it to a lot of people it's like i have to ask them what they like first and are they comfortable with like seeing stuff like that on screen it's hbo to the max like okay (laughs) pun unintended it's it's hbo (laughs) all the way like dialed up to 11 you know it's intense (laughs) okay okay right on i'll definitely uh, it was already on the list so now you've definitely given me the the extra motivation to check her out check it out um (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> so uh, my next movie so I'll get to the one that I had talked about earlier this movie yeah. I watched when I was like fairly young maybe early teens it's um, a 1999 classic comedy movie called There's Something About Mary Okay. starring Cameron Diaz Ben Stiller Matt Dillon Paul Giamatti a few other character actors as well so yeah, like I said, this is a movie that I found hilarious when I was a kid. Like, off the rails humor. I had never seen a movie like this. Like, a lot of stuff that isn't really inappropriate anymore. So, but it's such a funny movie. Like, And you know, like at the end of the day, comedy sometimes is supposed to be a little outrageous and not what you you see every day. So that's what I like about There's Something About Mary is that it's so wild and I just love how every single character in this movie is just enthralled by the Mary character um, played by Cameron Diaz. Like, they're all obsessed with her and will go to extreme lengths to change who they are down to the core of their person to be accepted by this girl. And it's just, it's a, it's a laugh riot. Shout out, oh, Africa, brave Africa. <laughs> <laughs> Just a yeah. great movie, honestly. For me, Matt Dillon, when I was a kid, I found his character the funniest, and I still do. He's basically, I'll just give a quick appetizer on who the characters are. So Ben Stiller went to the same high school as um, Cameron Diaz in this movie, and he's obsessed with her. And then he's supposed to go to prom with her, and then things go wrong, and he ends up not going to prom with her. I'll just say that. <laughs> and then 16 years later, he's still hung up on her. He ends up hiring a private investigator played by Matt Dillon who ends up finding Mary and she's down in Miami. So this character, Matt Dillon, goes down to Miami and he starts following her and he ends up, of course, being obsessed with her. 
So mm-hmm. he then tells Ben Stiller's character that, you know what, she's not worth following, like give up. The things he says about Mary in that scene, Matt, I don't know if you remember how Matt Dillon's character it persuades Ben Stiller to not go after Mary is hysterical. If you remember how he talks about Mary anyways. So that's as far in as in depth as I'll go on this movie. Again, it's on Disney. Disney Plus has added so many movies in their catalog because they have now added the star streaming service on right. there. So they have a ton of more like rated R comedy movies right in my wheelhouse, as you know. So definitely recommend also, the Tucker character, I want to give a shout-out to. I don't know if you remember, Matt, the paraplegic yes, architect. great. The twists and turns in the movie are great. Always keep it fresh. Oh, like, all the reveals. Oh. Constant. It's a slightly long... Like, it's a long for a comedy, but, like, it always... There's always stuff going on. And there's iconic scenes in this movie, like the hair gel stuff. Oh, yeah. The hair gel <laughs> stuff, like, that's a classic scene. Yeah. No yeah. doubt. Cameron Diaz shines in this. Like, there's... Like, yeah, they're all obsessed with her, but she looks like she's great in this movie. Yep. I think she does a great job. She's and great. Ben Stiller, Ben Stiller too. Matt Dillon, I always liked him. Hilarious. So I remember specific scenes. Yeah. I, I might have to throw this one on again. I do own this movie. Like, I like to watch it there once in a while. Um, I remember funny scenes with the dog, like the landlady's dog. So the, the dog would be, like, that's slapstick comedy at its finest. Yeah. And that's really, like, yeah. 90s comedy, maybe even mm-hmm. 80s comedy. That kind of stuff I could see some people not being a huge fan of. I still found it funny. Like, when Ben Stiller and the dog are going at it, like, that was hilarious. <laughs> I agree. It's the Farley brothers who, like, Dumb and Dumber, it's all that humor. Dumb and Dumber, yes. Kingpin. They're, they excel at that. I'm due for a I rewatch on that classic. Good pick. Like, Eric, that's a solid... I mean, it, it's aged beautifully is what you're saying. Yep. So, And the, the beginning's iconic, too. You know, the zipper scene, I call it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Just right, how I'll everyone in. walks into yeah. the washroom, too. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I want to watch it now, yeah. Uh, do it, man. It's so uh, good. Yeah. I might actually watch it. I, I want to watch Cyrus first, though. Cyrus and then maybe something about Mary. Okay, I'll get into my last movie here. Easy movie to talk about. It's on. They just put it out on Netflix. It came out last year. It's a horror thriller starring Russell Crowe. It's called Unhinged. Mm. Uh, I thought I would hate this movie, but I was told, like, I read about it, and then a lot of people put it in their, like, best horror lists that, for 2020. And I'm like, oh, really? Why? And then I watch it, and I realize it's, it's actually pretty violent and gory, and Russell Crowe plays a great bad guy in this. And it's a super simple movie. I mean, this girl, this mom and her son, they piss off uh, Russell Crowe's character and he just like goes after them. It's almost like a road rage, Mm. a stalker movie with very violent parts. Death And And I have have recommended this movie to some people and they absolutely did not like it. So maybe it's just (laughs) the big horror fan in me that likes this. I think what distinguishes this movie from other generic horror films is Russell Crowe being in it. He looks, he's like packed on the pounds and he looks scary. And the, the mom character is really great. And the finale, I, the finale was really good. If you're looking for just shut your brain off type of evening and watching Russell Crowe be like a badass, bad guy, like mean and, and violent, like throw on unhinged. It's really like, it's mindless cheese that's really entertaining, okay. in my opinion. Uh, like some people that. didn't like it, but I, I really liked it. <laughs> Also, just on the topic of shut your brain off and enjoy a movie, Cyrus. That's all I'll say. Okay. 
<laughs> okay. Uh, I'll... <laughs> Don't overthink it. Okay. <laughs> okay, good. No, Unhinged. I actually did see trailers for it, and it does look interesting, so I'll definitely um, I'll throw it on then for sure. Mm-hmm. I'm actually on a roll of watching movies these days, but I'm just going to go with one more since... No, actually, I'm just going to name... <laughs> I'm going to give name a shout-out to Grand Budapest Hotel, and we don't need to talk oh. about it, but I just rewatched it for the first time in years. Such a good movie. I love yep. Wes Anderson style to begin with mm-hmm. i'm a huge fan of his movies like those 2d landscape portrait shots kind of like a video game style like brings me back to like and uh, game boy kind of mm-hmm. so it's just really cool stuff i love grand budapest hotel the show i want to talk about more is now tonight we're anticipating the finale of this one season show is wandavision so have you watched the show man i forget if we've even talked about this you and i we haven't, but I'm right where you're at, where I'm all up to date waiting okay. for tomorrow's episode. So I would like eventually when all these Disney Plus shows have dropped, like the next wave of like Falcon Winter Soldier and Loki have dropped, we could do an, a full episode dedicated to okay. this because we haven't done a Marvel show, I think, since you've joined. So we'd be due. On the topic of WandaVision, just quickly, how this show exceeded my expectations is an understatement. I absolutely love this show. I think everyone on the internet is raving about it, rightfully so. Going into it, the first two episodes I thought were extremely weird. Homages to old school comedy shows that I obviously I'm not well versed with at all. Like the Dick Van Dyke show, I, I want to say. Uh, two characters I don't really care for to begin with. Like when they announced that to start off the next phase of Marvel, Phase Four, we're we're starting off with a bang. Wanda Maximoff and Vision. I don't think anyone <laughs> was going too nuts for that. But this being said, what they're able to do with the TV medium is fantastic for character growth, storytelling. You're this is the the best way really to show us what Wanda is going through after the events of Endgame and dealing with her grief with having lost vision, having the skull, having the Infinity Stone just ripped from his scalp in Infinity Wars. Brutal death scene. Kind of funny though also. I think that what they're doing with this and now anticipating the last episode dropping tomorrow, I think that It's going to end with Wanda having fully accepted that Vision is dead. I don't think her kids are going to be alive either. I think they're a a figment of her imagination, the creation of this world that she's, this safe space that she's created for herself. But I think she's going to come out of this stronger than ever and fully formed Scarlet Witch. Insert the Leonardo DiCaprio meme pointing at himself. for um, (laughs) Like, finally, that name has been set on screen is what I mean. Yeah. And, um absolutely love it so many twists and turns and i love the different kind of episodes the episode styles that they've done like the modern family homage i don't know if you watched this show matt but elizabeth olsen did an amazing job at portraying the exact same character as claire dunphy in that yep. in that one episode was phenomenal she's grown on me a lot this whole show i love her character even vision he's pretty solid and um agatha harkness great mm-hmm. twist great show what are your thoughts on wandavision yeah i'll keep just my overall thoughts is one of the only shows where every episode i find is better than the next or more so after the first two episodes i was like this show better i was very skeptical after the first like two three episodes agreed but but they did a phenomenal job of explaining things and 
like I said, each each next episode, I was just loving it even more. They did a great job of tying everything together, and that's what I was looking for after watching the first two episodes. I was like, okay, you guys better wow me later on, and they did. So, like that last episode I uh, from last Friday, so the second last episode, basically, I loved it. I thought, the episodes go by too fast now, Eric. Like, I just want more. They do, yeah. No, I thought this show did a great job of, like, starting off very weird, but, like, go along with it, and you will be very happy at the end. Yes. So that's what I think of WandaVision. Same thing with me here, too. Like, the first two episodes I found were very underwhelming, and I'm mm-hmm. glad they released two episodes on the um, like the premiere, basically, because if it was just the one episode, then we had to wait another week, and it was that episode that followed it up. It would have made it even more brutal, really, and that was probably part of the marketing strategy in that, okay, like, yep. we're going to just confuse the hell out of our viewers to start and see what they, like, we know they're going to tune in. Of course they're going to tune in no matter like they they got us like yeah. Disney has us all in the palm of their hands we're we're yep. suckers for it but so far hey they haven't let us down so can't wait to see what they're going to do next and I think I can't wait for Falcon and Winter Soldier that's going to be a completely different show like more more of the Marvel that we're used to but I do think that because they're doing it on in a television show they're going to be able to flesh out these two minor characters and make them more relatable, and I've read that they're going to be tying in some more socio-political themes, like the Falcon character now, one of the few black characters in the Marvel Cinematic Universe, right? And they're going to, I've read that they're going to really explore that theme of black man in America thrust in this leadership role and the perception of the public. So I'm I'm very curious to see what they're going to do with that, and more t- more timely now than ever, so... I do think that at, people look at Falcon and Winter Soldier as a show that's just going to be plain buddy comedy action, but I, I think there's going to be a lot more substance to it, and I can't wait to see what they do. Like I said, I'd love to do a full show on that when uh, those three shows are out, and I think the Black Widow movie will be released as well, so we'll have some stuff to talk about. Marvel will always keep us talking. Yeah, which is great, because it's always a fun talk. I don't, I have, like, I've watched more movies, but I think, like, uh, those were, like, the quote-unquote highlights of, like, what I want to recommend. I'm not going to recommend, like, an old movie, so watch a lot of old crap. Did you watch anything else, Eric? You want to mention just, like, the title? I wrote down that Lupin was a show that we both watched, right, which was in French, which I loved watching. Me too. Um, I don't watch much French TV. I don't watch any French TV for that matter. So it was fun to watch a, a five episode season about a um, man named Asan Ziup, who um, basically makes it his life's mission to avenge his father, who was accused of a crime he did not commit, um, which was stealing a necklace, a priceless necklace heirloom from a rich family that he was a um, basically a servant for. So, and he's out to get revenge and uh, he's adopted all of the, like um, the master of disguise moniker of the Arsène Lupin fictional character in liter in French literature. Super fun show to watch. A little over the top, like some stuff I found was a bit much where, how are they not putting everything together that it's the, that yeah. this guy is the one doing these things to them there? I thought that was a little far-fetched, but you know what? I don't care at all. I, I loved watching it and I'm, I can't wait for part two of the show i share every thought with you about the show like loved it and it was nice listening to something in french i need to do it more often 
I only had trouble understanding like the slang. The Sun had a lot of like French slang quick, and I was like, I got to read the subtitles for this. Yeah, I had the subtitles on as well. Like the, yeah. It's France French, right? So it's a little different. Right. They're speaking very quickly. Like you said, the yeah. slang is different. Yeah. The subbies o- o- were a must. Yeah. Omar, Omar C, though, um, are the main character. He does a great, he's a great actor. He was in a movie like 10 years ago, Intouchable, Intouchables in English. It's a masterpiece, a French masterpiece. Very well-known movie, but like everyone needs to watch that. It's such a feel-good movie. I've seen the adaptation with Brian Krantz and Kevin Hart, which oh, I thought was really good, actually. But I, 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 I okay, do well, know that the, uh, the French, the OG, is as is often the case, the goat, as mm-hmm. they say. So I'll de- and I love that actor, so I'll definitely check it out. And I yeah. guess like I'm with you on that. I I should watch more French content. I do want to, you know, because that's something we don't do enough of. I agree. As far as like, miss, I know this has been a long episode because it for us it's been a while since we've recorded, like three weeks since we did the last one. <laughs> so I just want to talk. And recently, I've been reading so many books. Like that's something that I do want to share. If you want book recommendations, I got you. I've been reading some fiction and nonfiction. One book that Matt I know you've read as well is called "The Subtle Art of Not Giving a." F- and uh, it's a great book. I definitely recommend yeah. it. You know, it's kind of self-explanatory what this book is about. Just a lot of good life lessons about how you should approach situations. Yeah, I mean, that's kind of all I have to say on it right now. I read this book at the start of the year. My goal is to always have a fiction book and a non-fiction on the go. So as far as fiction goes, I've read Gone Girl, Jurassic Park, and I'm almost done. Now I'm getting back in the Game of Thrones world. A book called A Knight of the Seven Kingdoms which is actually one of the shows that HBO is going to produce next in the Game of Thrones world. So it follows the character Sir Duncan the Tall and his squire Egg, and they go around Westeros on miscellaneous quests. And he's basically just a hedge knight, which is a knight for hire who's not really loyal or committed to a particular house. He is hired by a house to serve him for a certain predetermined period, help them get rid of some brigands in a village, for example. Mm -hmm. And then once he's completed his task, he moves on to the next one. So I'm excited to see what they do with that show. I hope they end up not only produce, not only filming it, but actually releasing it. And it's fun to get back in the game of Thrones world, because that's a show that I haven't watched since the finale. So I'm definitely going to rewatch that show eventually, but I'm happy I'm reading in that world again. And I have the next book, uh, fire and blood, which is the other show that they're going to produce. So the House of Targaryen, that's the fiction side and nonfiction. Like, there's a bunch of other stuff I'm reading. So it's just fun to get back in the reading world. If anyone has recommendations for me, I'm open to anything. And if you want uh, one of the books that I just said, like Fahrenheit 451 is up next for me. So once I'm done that, I can pass it on to whoever wants it. Did you like Gone Girl, the book? Because I've read the book and watched the movie. I loved the book. I thought it was so good. And I want to okay. rewatch the movie now. I've only seen the movie once years ago, and so I'd forgotten a lot of what happens in the yeah. movie. And I even forgot about a bunch phenomenal. of the actors who play the characters, so I had my own perception yeah. of the characters in my head. Because the narrative structure in the book is amazing. Just like the movie, you get like the you get the two different perspectives. Yeah. Uh, okay, I'll quickly just... To, like On Netflix, there's these two TV shows I've been watching or finished watching and they're great and they're totally different. One of them is like a 20 minute episode sitcom called Superstore. Mm. <laughs> I just got really into it. There's four or five seasons, I think. 
quick episodes. I worked retail for nine years and this whole show takes place inside like quote unquote a Walmart or like a fake Walmart. But you, it's only in the store, so you get it like customer interactions, just goofiness. I just really like it. The other show that I loved, surprisingly, I didn't think I'd like it so much, is the period piece show uh, Bridgerton. I just crushed it in a week, like eight episodes, one hour. And I just fell in love with the characters. And I, <laughs> I even told my mom, I'm like, I don't know why I like this so much. It's just super well done, I guess. And I love the characters and the dialogue. I don't know. I, I was shocked that I loved it so much. I, I kept telling people that, like, uh, I don't know why I like it so much. Hey, no, I mean, it got uh, really good ratings, and a lot of people at, yeah. at my office liked it as well. So, I mean, not it's surprised. Like, I'll uh, add it to the list for sure. Okay. Yeah, that's all I got. Okay. No, that's good. And that that's a great thing right now is that there's so much out there to watch and uh, something for everybody. And hopefully we've given you listeners – a lot of suggestions, even the ones who gave us submissions. Thank you again so much, and I hope we did your movies justice and that you got recommendations from the other listeners' submissions So and from ours as well. Cyrus, check it out. So, um, yeah, Matt, any uh, final notes for the listeners? No, I hope you guys enjoyed the episode and that if, if some of you watch some of these recommendations and love them, like, that'll make me and Eric super happy and... Even let us know if you've watched some of, if you're gonna watch some of these now. I mean, I'm gonna let you know, Eric, when I watch Cyrus. <laughs> I feel probably like I've let set you know the tomorrow. bar too high for that movie. <laughs> I'll probably <laughs> let you know tomorrow. <laughs> no, I'll go in with I'll go in with a blank slate. That's the I thing. Just, you, uh, but uh, yeah, you gotta go into Cyrus with extremely low expectations. You know what? Even okay. Zach telling me that he watched it kind of gave me an idea that he thought I would like it. I still had low okay. expectations. You okay. know. It, it's it's not a classic. Like it's just I don't know why okay. I loved it so much. You may hate okay. it. I don't know. Like I'm, I want to watch it. I'm, though. I'm really curious to see what you think now. But me, it was just the whole premise of it. Like the the awkwardness is unreal. And like you, okay. you're gonna get. I think you're gonna like it anyway. I, I hope so. I hope so. <laughs> I'm a big fan of the direct the Dupla the Duplass brothers. I like their work and they're good actors too. So uh, and lastly, just everyone stay safe and like we're gonna power through this all together. Thanks a lot to everybody for listening. Stay tuned for episodes dropping every two Mondays. Again, thank you so much, everyone who gave us submissions. I hope you enjoyed the episode. Continue to stay safe. Love you all. Yeah. Peace. Thank you to those who have stuck around for this little post-credit scene. So since recording this episode, I've watched quite a few movies, and I just wanted to share a few bonus cuts with you all. And uh, these movies are all available on streaming services for you to enjoy. So I'll just be sharing these rapid-fire style, not as much analysis as earlier in the episode. So without further ado, here it goes. <laughs> so the first movie is called The Dig. Ray Fiennes plays an excavator named Basil Brown who's hired to dig up on Miss Pretty's property, who's played by Carrie Mulligan, and they unearth treasures throughout their expedition along the movie. Co-starring Lily James and Johnny Flynn, this movie is based on a true story. Not necessarily the most exciting movie and 
not that much action in it per se, but what I loved about it what were the great character interactions, insight on previous historical findings, the dialogue. I definitely recommend this one. The next one was called Coda Chrome, which is a Netflix OG. Jason Sudeikis, Elizabeth Olsen, and Ed Harris shine in this drama. Sudeikis is asked to drive his dying father, played by Harris, accompanied by his nurse, played by Olsen, across the country to develop some of his early photographs shot on Kodachrome film. So this movie basically plays out as a redemption tour for the piece-of-shit character that was Ed Harris throughout his life. It's a solid drama. Definitely recommend. The next one is called The F Word, also known as What If. Great rom-com starring Zoe Kazan, who is featured in The Big Sick that we mentioned earlier in the episode, as well as Daniel Radcliffe diversifying his bag from his Harry Potter works and horns, among other terrible uh, horror movies he's done. So in this movie, Daniel Radcliffe basically gets friend-zoned after he meets Zoe Kazan's character at a party because she has a boyfriend of five years. Immediately, though, there is a clear connection between the two. Along the movie, they keep hanging out and develop a great relationship, and you see what happens. In her own love, uh, there's a little love triangle that forms, and definitely recommend. So I laughed a lot in this one. It's definitely in line with the other rom-coms that we discussed earlier in the episode. Lighthearted fun. Check it out on uh, Prime Video. The next movie is called Fantastic Mr. Fox. So this is an animated movie written and directed by Wes Anderson. It's on Disney+. Plus. And it's about a, a, um, a fox who was previously a thief in his uh, earlier days in his life. And he returns to his thieving ways to pull off one last big job and rob three kingpin farmers of their products in order to provide for his family and then ride off into the sunset. The next one was Framing Britney Spears, a crazy documentary that sheds light on her current situation her rise to fame, the struggles that she's had to deal with, which are all very documented throughout her entire life. So very sad stuff, but I definitely recommend you check it out and familiarize yourselves with what she is still fighting against. Free Britney. The next one was called How to Train Your Dragon, which I don't want to get into too much because we'll discuss this further in our DreamWorks episode. little sneak peek here that's coming down the road. I definitely recommend the movie. Fun movie, great animation, awesome characters. Check it out. The next movie was called Yes, God, Yes. It's a terrible movie. That's all I'll say. And finally, the last one I watched yesterday was called Biggie. I got a story to tell. So obviously a documentary on the late Notorious B.I.G., rest in peace, on Netflix. Just some more insight on who Biggie was, his rise to fame, and some previously never before seen footage. If you're a hip-hop fan, I definitely recommend you check it out. So that's all I got for you today. Thanks a lot for sticking around and um, hopefully I've given you some additional cuts to check out. And yeah, stay tuned for episodes dropping every two Mondays. Love you all and yeah, peace.